That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's Lightning Round. It's Kevin Topkins. It's Andrew Cooper. It's Britt Flynn. Tom Strachan's going to be joining us in just a minute or two here. Uh, but what's up, gang? We're getting back into the best ball mania four streets here on Underdog. It feels like we live here after yesterday uh, doing all these uh, Underdog fantasy drafts. But you know what? It's like an old pair of shoes. How are you guys feeling? Well, we're about to win $3 million in best ball mania, so feeling pretty good about it. Feeling great about it, in fact. In fact, anyone out there that comments in the chat today, I will do my best to remember you when I'm rich and famous from this draft. Remember but, the little people. That no, is our motto. Obviously, no Stay promises. Humble. No promises, obviously, but we will do our best. So thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. And if you want to jump into this draft, we got two more slots uh, open. I know there is slight delay, but uh, might be able to get in with us here. Um, yeah. Uh, Get in the chat with us here. Uh, you know, come and uh, make fun of our picks. Uh, oh, it, it just filled. Uh, we will get time in here in just a moment. But you know what? Uh, I'm excited. Uh, at the 102. Ooh, love yeah, that. Baby. Let's go. I'm loving drafting from here, man, because I like the running backs that are available on the way back. Uh, you know, before we get Tom in here, I'd like to just make sure everyone knows our draft guide is up. Now, there's all sorts of best ball articles in there. There's obviously Kevin Tompkins' famous uh, zero RB strategy. Britt even threw in a Lanker RB strategy, and I enjoyed reading both of those, even as a guy that doesn't use those as much. I've decided to mix it in a little bit, and we have permission to do one in this draft. So make sure you go to fantasyalarm.com slash draft guide and get that now, or you can become a full member and get it as part of that with the entire package. Use promo code COOP. Gets you 50% off next six months. Anyway, let's get going in this draft. Who did we take it to? I mean, it's um, Jefferson or Chase for me, but unless you guys want to get funky, like I'm fine with it. Cause this is, so this time a year, this is like almost the, the I think it was July 18th, both Liam Murphy, who won BBM two and Pat Corain. That's the day they drafted. So this is like the high time, this lull. And I, will I, I love that. Uh, sorry, I just want to say I love that Pat Corrine won and he's a zero RB guy and he won because he took Austin Eckler. But let's let's take, take our chase. Yeah, let's take yeah, chase. I, I would. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Brett. Well, it's too late now, but. Oh, Ooh, you're going to say somebody else? Well, I was going to say in ADP in Superflex leagues, Christian McCaffrey has actually surpassed all of the quarterbacks. So it seems like everybody's high on Christian McCaffrey. And I was just thinking about maybe shaking things up a bit, but that's okay. With the, So the, the thing with the McCaffrey move for me and kind of my policy right now is that we have, this doesn't close for another two months. If Brock Purdy gets announced as the starter and we know he's going to be the guy, I, I'm actually going to move Christian McCaffrey to 101 in pretty much all my formats. Just because I believe that Brock Purdy, with his skill set, is going to be better for CMC. He's going to dump it down. He's not going to take those goal line carries. Right now, while it's still up in the air, though, it's just dicey enough for me to put the wide receivers ahead. Britt, I mean, do you, does that matter as much to you, the QBs, uh, the uncertainty there? Or are you just saying, hey, you know what? It's wheels up time for, for CMC. I think it's wheels up for CMC. I think that one thing that could eat into his workload is Elijah Mitchell, but he's never been able to stay healthy. Um, and McCaffrey actually averaged more points per game than any of the wide receivers last year, including Cooper cup. Um, I think that Shanahan has a complete role for him in his offense and he's going to use him regardless. 
But I want to pivot here and talk about A.J. Brown going at fifth. That's something that we haven't seen at all um, and, in the and, ones that we've done, at least. And Nick Chubb going right after him. I mean, those yeah. are two picks that every once in a while, like A.J. Brown usually goes in the first, but Nick Chubb usually goes in the second there. That's, well, let's, that's let's, get, let's, get our, uh, let's get Tom Strachan's thoughts. Tom, my man, I feel like I've known you forever and I've never gotten to actually talk to you. Hey, How guys. you doing, my man? Thanks for joining us. Did you hear us all right, boss? We'll get up. We'll get up. We'll get. We'll get him back when everything's situated. But uh, I've taken AJ Brown at one hundred and three. I've taken him at one hundred and four just to kind of be a little bit different, get a little different texture. Um, also trying to get the AJ Brown Devonta Smith Jalen Hurts stack as well. Um, that's something to think about too. I mean, that is if you're looking to get different, that's probably like the least different thing. But it still feels good to get such a condensed offense and get those three pieces of it. Right. And that's that's the funny part about the stack is that if you draft if you wait and take AJ Brown, it's easier to get Jalen Hurts in the second, but you're ruling yourself out from getting the triple stack, right? Because Devonta Smith doesn't make it back. So if you really want to do that stack, the easiest way to, to make it happen is not uh waiting on AJ Brown. It's actually reaching on AJ Brown and then hopefully getting lucky on Hertz and then getting Devonta Smith in the next round. That's so you're right, Kevin. If you really want to do it, you actually got to move AJ Brown up to make it happen. Yeah. You yeah. can't just move Devonta Smith back to the end of the third. He very rarely makes it that far. I think we got, I think we're good now. Tom, <laughs> are you with us? Yeah, I am. Sorry. A couple of little bit of a tech issue there on my end. All of a sudden my headphones just stopped working, but uh, no, I'm, I'm here. Looks like you guys here. got off to a good start without me. Yeah, we. I mean, I mean having the one got lucky is kind of hard to mess it up. Yeah, I mean, it's there's not really too many ways you can go wrong there, really. Like, I occasionally I'll mix up some little some Cooper Cup a little bit early. I think, like for me, Cooper Cup is my wide receiver too, but you don't really feel like you need to take him that early because he can fall to like the three, the four, the five, even the six spot sometimes. So yeah, plenty of Jamar Chase, plenty of Justin Jefferson whenever you get those nice early picks. Absolutely. In eight games last year, he got 98 targets, still finished as a wide receiver two in fantasy football in half a season, just under half a season now with 17 games. So Cooper Cup, animal. I think when you kind of look at players who – could really be the wide receiver one. I feel like he's just being slept on a little bit, you know, not to crap all over the fact that we've taken Jamar Chase, but yeah, like when you talk about wide receivers who could get a 30% target share on a good offense, you're really talking Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase, and that's about it for me. Right. The rest yeah. of them need some sort of injury that highly consolidates the targets, or I guess Devon Diggs. Maybe, you know, I mean, if, if Dalton Kincaid falls flat, then it's basically the same offense it was last year. So it's possible. But again, it, it's much better when a team doesn't add pieces, right? Because you can feel good about AJ Brown and what's going on there. Uh, just the addition of Dalton Kincaid at all is a little, it's a little dicey. Uh, right. So, Tom, on the clock, what are you thinking here? Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Tony Pollard here. I mean, if you want to go down the T. Higgins road and sort of like go for the mega stack, I don't mind that at all. But otherwise, I'd go with Tony Pollard. You're not pulling my arm with Tony Pollard. How do you guys feel? I'm in. This year, I'm in. First time ever. Do I really have to ask Britt about Tony Pollard? The no, at, at this point, that should be unspoken. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought. I mean, T. Higgins is interesting, but how many how many times is that duplicated? Especially that Chase Higgins turn and then coming around. I mean, maybe you'd think about it if Mahomes were still on the board, knowing that quarterbacks are going to fall, that you could kind of correlate that with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, All right, who are we Burrow. going here? We've we can, got 10 we can get left. The, yeah, the guy at the turn is going rapid fire, and he blocked that AJ Brown guy from getting. We can go his. Higgins here anyway because we were thinking about him. Sure. I say we do it. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. It gives us a different texture with Chase and Higgins. I mean, we can still get Burrow if we really want to, but, I mean, Pollard's running back four uh, for me, and I think he should be going higher. But that Devontae Adams slide, as someone who has been against him, I think he went, like, almost at over a half a round. Uh, he almost made it back to us in the second round. So that's – I don't think I've seen him slide that far. Uh, but Tom, I wanted to ask you, I know this is kind of a dead period, uh, before training camp and stuff like that. So, um, obviously we had like those big information blocks post draft. Um, and then obviously it's lulling till now. We don't have a lot of news, uh, really now, but how are you, are you approaching drafts any different now that we're coming up against training camp? I mean, it's, it's hard to really react to like the minor stuff like Paris Campbell and stuff like that. But how, how are you approaching drafts now? Yeah, it's, I mean, definitely the public is still reacting to that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're seeing jumps in players like that. And, you know, Brock Purdy, we've seen slowly start to climb over the last few weeks. So there's definitely been movement. But I think this is a good time that if you've been drafting quite a lot, like I'm kind of like at a point where I'm taking a few days to assess my exposure to players to look at those combinations and say, okay, well, when I start with, Justin Jefferson, who are the players that I'm always taking on the 2-3 turn and vice versa at the other end of this? Am I falling into Bijan Robinson with one player in a lot of the time? So it's a good point to just sort of like take stock of things and also assess, okay, how much am I planning on spending on best ball this summer? Because, you know, the contests are coming thick and fast and, you know, you want to be able to prioritize not only the right contest for your budget, but also saying which contests look like there could be a lot of overlay in them. Like on drafters year after year, we see overlay like with loads of places not taken in the contest. DraftKings, we've only had 300,000 entries into a 1.2 million entry contest. And even on underdog, it feels like there'll be some contests where you can be chasing overlay. So I think I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that things are quieting off at the minute, just taking a, a breath to kind of plan things for the next sort of like really busy period. Um, and I think you can just look to kind of take advantage of some of those ADPs that are going to rise. I think by the time the training camp opens, I think people will probably feel more confident on Joe Mixon. So I wouldn't be surprised if he rises up as more casual drafters come in. Are we going to see Josh Jacobs pushed up into that sort of second round you know we're going to see Saquon Barkley creep close to the one two turn so if you feel like you have a conviction on a player now is the time to just rattle in a few drafts and try and get exposure to that player before the price increases and mentioning price increases uh Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins I mean they they're still out there in free agency how high do you think that their ADP goes once they actually land with the team so that, that's, a, that's a great question because like, I think DeAndre Hopkins, you go back to when he was released by the Cardinals and it was like, oh my God, he's going to sign with the Bills, he's going to sign with the Chiefs. That would have been, I think second round would be fair to say. I think with Dalvin Cook though, there just isn't really the opportunity for him to be that kind of like player where he gets 20 touches a game, 18 touches a game like he's done over the last few years. 
and it's a shame for him because last year was the first year he'd played like a full season of games, I think, in the entire in his entire career. But he's just a little too late to the party. Like if he goes to Miami, we know they're gonna use a committee. They've invested enough money where they're not gonna turn all the touches over to him. So I think I can definitely see Hopkins getting steamed substantially, but Cook for me, I feel like maybe we get like a round or two climb up to sort of like that round six, five area at the absolute most, but I'm much less confident on him. Coop, you're muted. The big thing is trying to identify who would actually make the jump, right? Because like with Dalvin Cook, you point out that not only like the ideal landing spot that people want the Dolphins, there's a potential that his ADP doesn't even rise. Like you didn't even get a bargain. Then there's the possibility that he ends up going to somewhere terrible. Like what if what if the Patriots rumors are true and he ends up being James White in that offense, which isn't bad. James White did have a uh, RB1 season, but it's obviously not the bell cow role that we expect, right? So it's right. like we want to look at this time of year, we want to look for guys that are maybe a little deeper. Maybe we're, we're back up, guys. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts here? Um, you got ETN Hopkins. We got the Burrow thing that maybe we can push to the other pick because they either got a quarterback. Well, let's let's take Hopkins. You know, maybe let's speculate that he takes a cheap deal with the Chiefs, and then we get a Week 17 correlation out of it. But yeah, I wouldn't be against taking Burrow around this corner after the Jalen Hurts guy. Clearly, most likely isn't going to take him. We almost yeah, got we that would have been a. That would have been an inter- interesting discussion. Lamar Jackson almost made it to us a full round after ADP. Yeah. Um, that's like the age old, do you take the uncorrelated faller at quarterback or do you take the guy that completes your stack? I well, think with, with Lamar this year, I think you can definitely go for it because you've got that nice cluster of Odell, Zay, uh, Zay Flowers, and Bateman. But, yeah, what are you guys? you guys in with uh, Joe Burrow or want to push it further on? Now let's do it. Let's do Burrow yeah. here. And we we were the ones that let the guy before us stack Mark Andrews. I mean, I guess it wasn't our fault. It was the rest of the rest of this draft's fault. But he was able to stack Mark Andrews with Lamar Jackson a full round after ADP. Did that guy just win three million dollars? <laughs> well, we are not going to be winning three million dollars in week seven because uh, every single one of our players, other than well, Hopkins doesn't even have a team yet. But we're all week seven. We're just Whatever. we're playing every week, but week seven. Plenty Watch of time it. yet. Wash it, man. I will say DeAndre Hopkins on a team with Patrick Mahomes. You take a guy that scrambles around and buys extra time, but then still throws it downfield and pair him with the guy that is probably one of the best contested catch players in the league, right? Like a guy that uh, you, you know, you watch that the Hail Mary that he, that he caught the contortionist moves that he can pull uh, you know, the, the way he creates space, like with his back and putting his arms out, it's like, that would be a match made in heaven for a guy like, Holmes, because I feel like he, we deserve that. I know, right? Hopkins deserves it after all this time. <laughs> yes. we, I was I was just saying that uh on the show this morning, like just picture being DJ Moore and the quarterbacks he has, and then look at Marquez Valdez scaling that his entire <laughs> career playing with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. It's like give me a break, man. Give him one year for DJ Moore. Exactly. Speaking yeah. of which, Justin Fields just went. Are you in or out? Because that's kind of a divisive topic this year. I'm in on Justin Fields. Like last year, I wasn't in on Justin Fields. I'm probably not taking as much Justin Fields as I could because it it seems like it feels to me like the stacks line up easily on Justin Herbert and the Chargers. I'm a big Ravens fan, so I've got a lot of exposure to Lamar. I'm really high on that offense this year. But 
Justin Fields, I think even if you say some of those freaky long touchdowns aren't going to happen, you know, the ones which were really fluky and, you know, you can chalk them up as high variance. He didn't really start running till what was it, like week five, week six last year when all of a sudden the Bears, they had a mini bye week, you know, they played on a Thursday night. And then we were outspoken about how they looked at what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson when he was young in his career. And suddenly they started inserting all those designed runs and suddenly Justin Fields became incredibly fantasy worthy. And then he went on to nearly break the all-time rushing record for a quarterback. So if we actually got 17 weeks of Justin Fields even just being consistent with rushing, I think that we could really be looking at, you know, potentially a record-breaking season. I'm not high on any of the pass-catching out options outside of DJ Moore, but I think it is cost when you try to weigh up how many quarterbacks have real, true QB1 outcomes in the range. After Justin Fields, I don't think there's any. I don't think that Trevor Lawrence, much as I think he's a great quarterback, I don't think he has that rushing floor to really take him to like 30-point games the way that Justin Fields and the quarterbacks who go before him do. Yeah, there's a whole group of guys that essentially need to pull the Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, 50 to 55 touchdown season if they really want to have a shot at QB1, right? Like Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff and that crew with their insane lack of mobility. There's one path. They need, yeah, they need 48 touchdowns, I would say. You know, like it's it's not happening any other way. Yeah, like early this offseason, I wrote an article for Underdog Network talking about where do the big weeks come from for quarterbacks? And the vast majority of the 30-plus point games on underdog scoring from quarterbacks involve quarterbacks who'd rushed for 38 yards or more. And it's just like, you know, those games aren't coming from anybody outside these top group unless possibly Anthony Richardson. But time out. Matt Ryan last year had a game with 38 rushing yards. <laughs> I was looking at very similar numbers, Tom, and I was like, what is this? Yeah, I, I swear that he fits your, your threshold, which is hilarious. Yeah, just, uh, we'll just, we'll just for years, that'll be one which will pop up on pub quizzes of, uh, you know, name all the quarterbacks who had 38 yards or something. <laughs> I was looking at, like, the same, like, I was like, let's see, who had a good rushing game and a touchdown? Yeah, it was a uh, week. It was week, late uh, season, wasn't yeah. it? Week, uh, week 10 against the Raiders, 38 the mark yards. Mark of a true sicko. 38 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. And the rest of his games, he had, like, negative four, negative four. <laughs> I was going to say operative word, A game. Yes. Just one single one. It's 70 on the season, 38 in that. Four carries for 38. So he got loose, baby. Let's go. Got loose. All right. We're up uh, right now, actually. Miles Sanders, uh, I know Coop's heart is broken. That's not uh, sweet, Looking like Lockett, Evans, Cam Akers, Addison, Tony. How are you guys feeling? I can't bring myself to Jeff Lockett. Cam Akers. Despite, uh, I like Lockett too. But Cam Akers finished the year so hot last year. It kind of made me... A little interested, but I've cooled off. Tom, what do you think here? At this yeah, point? I'd go with Tyler Lockett there. Uh, Cam Akers, like, my big thing this year is I'm trying to draft players whose coaching staff actually like them. Uh, you know, I've right. been burned by Trey Lance. No, Antonio so. Gibson, damn it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been burned by this sort of stuff before, and if Oof. I can get players teams actually like, that'll do me. No DeAndre Swift. No, no DeAndre Swift. We're back up because Jamie Taylor is uh, motoring through his picks. Fine. All right. Uh, stick a wide receiver, Acres, Swift, uh, Waller's out there. 
Oh God. Let's I, let's grab Waller. I'm I'm in. I'm down. I like that. Yep. Gives us a, uh, you know, possibly we could always look at taking Daniel Jones and just being done at quarterback at that point if we wanted to. Yeah. The show That'd after this one, uh, for those watching, uh, make sure you stay tuned after this as well. We're doing the uh, brand new show, the fantasy alarm fantasy football show with me, Britton Howard. And we're going through our target totem pole. Uh, I went through, I do this every year, kind of uh, fig- try and rank who I think is going to have the most targets on their team. And I was going through, and there's only three teams where I actually think the tight end could potentially lead the team in targets. We have Travis Kelsey, obviously, uh, Mark Andrews, and there. Why not? Why not the New York Giants, right? So uh, just based on that alone, basically the fact that it's even possible, because like you know we we like we like guys like Dallas Goddard, but would anyone project him to lead that team in targets? You you can't do it, right? Not even with one injury. He's kind of two injuries away from from that level. So for, you know, for when we're talking raw upside, that's one of the key indicators of like really difference making seasons, which is why I really do like Waller this year. I mean, Waller just like he, he wins downfield in a way which, you know, Dallas got it. So much of his production comes on screens and those kind of passes near the line of scrimmage, which is great having those designed plays and being able to count on a certain level of volume. But yeah, Darren Waller, you know, he can play near the line of scrimmage or further downfield on the outside and He's everything that Daniel Jones just hasn't had in the last couple of years. Exactly. Like he creates for himself versus some of these other guys like Dalton Schultz, one of the bigger examples of a guy that his best asset is kind of being forgotten about, right? Like just getting, getting lost in the sauce and making those plays. He's got a couple highlights that are kind of interesting, but like, if I ask you to show me the cool Dalton Schultz play, it's kind of hard to find. Whereas like Darren Waller, there's a million of them. You know, like he's making serious real plays. Yep. And the market feels the same way because you're looking at how many Giants wide receivers are between wide receivers 75 and 80. Like like all five are in there, are in that group. Like the market feels obviously very confident in Darren Waller just being head and shoulders above that group. Cause those all those five guys between Campbell, Wandale, you know, when he gets on the field, I mean, they're all just gonna eat into each other. We don't know who's gonna be they're right. starting two wide receivers, like in two wide receiver sets. Like we just don't know. And this team had no players get 100 targets last year. I, I pulled it up uh, earlier today. I was looking, I was like, how many teams have two guys get 100 targets? How many teams get three? The only team that had three was actually the Minnesota Vikings. But when you sort it just by the games where Hawkinson was there, Adam Thielen was not on pace for 100 plus targets i just tweeted this out so realistically there kind of was no team that had three guys get 100 plus targets there were eight teams that had two guys and we we know the the suspects right seattle and uh cincinnati and all those other guys every other team so we're talking 21 teams had either one or zero guys get 100 targets and every wide receiver too except cooper cup got 100 targets so when, when you're playing that game some people have to like you have to ask yourself Justin Jefferson or TJ, sorry, not Justin Jefferson. He's the God. He's the goat. It's TJ Hawkinson or Jordan Addison, right? If so, facto, if you're in on one, you might have to be out on the other. It's, it could, it's going to be highly consolidated, but that's the, yeah, that was the one point I was going to make is does it maybe lean a little bit with Addison, maybe bump him up because the offense is so consolidated versus an offense like, like the Colts where it's just so wide open. The Colts actually had, uh, I mean, Michael Pittman got over 100. I mean, historically, historically the Colts historically, like that, yeah. Like well, that's well, that's the thing though, is that you're making that bet, but you're kind of 
realistically, on average, one team in the league, maybe two, has three guys get 100-plus targets. Last year, no team did it. 2017, no team did it, right? Uh, so, and a lot of those times, it's because somebody got hurt. Like 2018, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. gets hurt, and now Sterling Shepard has 100 targets. So you're kind of betting on them to be that one team. The thing is, you know, with injuries in this league, it's not a terrible bet. Just know that if you're if you're taking TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison, you're kind of setting yourself up for one guy to underperform unless Justin Jefferson gets hurt. You know? Yeah, you're trying to just trying to play the ultimate leverage against Jefferson at that point. Yeah. All right. We need some RBs, We're back right? Up. Uh, I am actually on the RB tab. Coop did not have to tell me to go to the RB tab, which is I think growth, personal growth for me. Yes. <laughs> very, very proud of you. Yeah. All right, Tom, pick us a running back. I've been taking quite a bit of Zach Charbonnet. I think there's very real paths to him having a very good role this year. You know, Kenneth Walker, we saw last year, he was explosive, but he seemed to hit the wall as he went down the stretch. He caught probably more passes than some people expected him to do, but he showed that he's not really, you know, a pass catching running back by trait that the Seahawks went out and deliberately targeted somebody who could fill that role. And uh, yeah, I'm expecting him to make good impact. And the favorite rookie question of all time, what if he's just awesome? <laughs> Big fun of that one. <laughs> like, what if he's just awesome, right? This Brit, is probably a running cool? back. This I is think... probably a running back double tap as well, by the way. We're back up. I'm sorry. So I like to pair Samaj P. Ryan with Zach Charbonnet, like when I'm on the turn here, because I think, you know, you can kind of bank on Samaj P. Ryan's early sort of production being quite good. And then if, you know, Charbonnet comes good towards the end of the season, then you've got yourself a nice pairing. Yeah, I think that's very understated with P. Ryan's early season. Uh, you know, especially if we're building through an anchor, we've got Pollard. All we have to do, we really have to hit that RB2, and I think we're going to get at least a good five, six weeks of P. Ryan. He's still going to have a role, even if Javante Williams does come back, but at least we can kind of have that bridge to where if Zach Charbonnet is going to come on in the middle of the season, we have that nice kind of layer of we get the early season production of P. Ryan plus the late season hammer of Charbonnet. So I really like that that pairing. Well, before we leave this RB tab, maybe let's throw some guys in the queue. Britt, are there anybody from this group that you're like, you'd be pumped if they got back to us here or we, if we get them later? In this group, not so much. I want to see who's available in the wide receiver and tight end. Well, actually, just pull up the whole board. Yeah, pull it Let's out. just see what we got. Yeah, not not the board board, but available players. Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, well, Juju just went. Uh, da, 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 da. there we go. Um, like Daniel Jones, I'm gonna queue in just I, because of the stack, I but think... I'm not expecting him to come back, honestly. Unless we're gonna grab Chig here and just call it a day at tight end, we could probably close the tight end tab for a bit. Hmm. I don't know. I kind of do like Firemuth's chances. I like that short ADOT route and what Kenny Pickett does with that. And I really like his involvement in the two-minute drill in the red zone. So that those two but stats. I don't he know actually, if he'll make it back. He actually did. Firemuth, those are the two things, really. Right, hit right on the head, especially, which is especially great for best ball because we want monster games and we want touchdowns, right? So uh, when a team... I looked at every team, like the two-minute drill, the last three minutes of the quarters that matter, second, fourth, and overtime, and he actually led all players, not just tight ends, all players in uh, targets in that situation and percentage of the team's targets. And what that tells us is, like, in these games where it's back against the ropes, they're throwing a ton, 
that's a position where Frymuth could have some spike weeks. So in this format, I like him. The question for me is the same one with the, the Vikings for redraft purposes, where we need consistency every week. Uh, you know, Tom, oh, most of us, I mean, maybe you're, you're, you're on a different wavelength, but most of us have Deontay Johnson as the top target. The second target yeah. on that team, do you have Pickens or Fire Fryermuth? I kind of lean toward Fryermuth. I think, you know, Pickens, it's like – it's big plays, but it's not big points, definitely so in his rookie season. And I'm projecting like the Steelers to be a much more competent offense going forward this year. I think, you know, it's hard for them not to score more kind of touchdowns. Um, and, yeah, I think I like the stats that you and Britt pointed to. They're perfect because it just shows, okay, so we're talking about a team. They had, what, like was it 12 passing touchdowns or something whilst uh, Kenny Pickett was, was it 12 passing touchdowns the whole of last season or something it's ridiculous? 12 for the 12 for the team, seven for Pickett. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, even if that comes closer to league average and frame of staying involved in that sort of high value area, then he could definitely be on for a good season. I just think George Pickens, he's got such a cult status that, I just feel like his price is always just a smidge too high for me. And I am forcing myself to take him because it's a nice, easy backdoor stack by getting Kenny Pickett late sometimes. But uh, I can't imagine I'll be over sort of 5% exposure when the drafts finish. Yeah. The term that I, uh, I think uh, Matt Kelly from player profiler was the first one I heard say it uh, vividness bias is the term, <laughs> which is where you see a player either playing like the national championship game, or you see him on Monday night football, or you see him make a really cool play. And then you're like, this player must be good. Mike Williams is the one that comes to mind for me where I'm like, you see the really cool plays and you're like, this guy has to be good. Like George Pickett's had that crazy one-handed catch. You're like, this guy has to be awesome. But then statistically you look at it and you're right, Tom, it's not consistent and it's a little scary versus like Christian Kirk, who's just kind of death by a thousand cuts and, it's not right, super, we're, you know. We're we're back up here. Um, quarterback, we've got Gino that we can kind of pair with Lockett and two, but I think we could push that to the second pick. So we just gotta figure out what we want to do with our first pick. Wide receiver is kind of gross, but there's some options there. Tom, what do you think? Uh, is, is Muth still there? No. No, is... I'd go Damian Harris if we've got time. Touchdowns. Oh, I missed I don't have the nib uh what? <laughs> I That's don't why have I asked. So that's why I was saying to throw some running backs into the queue when we were I on the I don't have screen. the nimble fingers of Pete Overset. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's quite all right. I think, you know, <laughs> we can work out ways to make this We work. can work out KJ Osborne. Because we guess. can add a bit of like Green Bay Packers week 17 correlation. In Ty Chandler. Make it feel we better fun. not win $3 million now because then people are going to watch this and know that we <laughs> auto-drafted Kirk Cousins. That's a black mark. Not gonna lie. I don't well, hate that, but I just hate that it's not stacked. I think that they're gonna have to have plenty of passing to keep pace in all these games. So I think just by default, he's gonna be okay. Um, it feels gross, but I think it's gonna end up all right. I think let's we take, just take Dobbs to let's take Chigs. Let's take Chig. We've we can already... push tight end later. Let's let's at least correlate it a little bit if we're gonna do that. I, I'm gonna, sure I think I'm gonna huh? Go ahead. <laughs> is KJ, Os- KJ Osborne must still be available yeah he'll be there well. all way down there that's Eric. that's the contingency although god I don't I kind of hate that KJ Osborne awesome he is one <laughs> yeah he is one guy I'm, <laughs> oh, he's cool. not quite Odell Beckham where I have not drafted him but he's not far yeah there's just very little argument you can make for taking him outside of 
stacking purposes really, isn't it? And when you get to that point, it's like, well, how much of a good player is he and should I really be drafting him? Yeah, I know. So I know, Tom, you've got, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, drafts under your belt. So who are guys that you're not drafting? Like, I know Odell Beckham is a pretty universal guy, I feel like, for the yeah, industry but, as a whole. But I mean, yeah, even as a Ravens fan, I can't bring myself to draft him. I think he's going to be used in the red zone, similar to how he was with, with um, the Rams. But I think his price is a little too pricey for me. Then plenty of the kind of, you know, familiar names like Adam Phelan, somebody I'm not drafting. George Kittle, somebody I'm not drafting. I had a good debate with Kyle Dvorak of Rota World last night on my channel talking about he's in on him and I'm not. I think you look at where George Kittle scored his touchdowns last year. He had a career high 11 when he'd never had more than seven before that frequently, sort of like five, six. And he scored six against the Cardinals and the Seahawks combined. And they were teams, if you were writing DFS or matchup columns last year, you targeted them again and again and again. And when George Kittle didn't score touchdowns, he was averaging 4.8 points per game in half PPR, which really doesn't help anyone. And I think I'm just really struggling to push the button on him at the minute. But I think ultimately by the time that drafts do end, I'll probably get closer to sort of like 4 or 5% than completely zero. When you pull up the games when all four players were on the team and healthy, George Kittle was the fourth target. It was Debo and Ayuk, both with like 40 or so. Chris McCaffrey with like 32. And then Kittle only had like 24, man. He was, he really was kind of a rubber Tunyon type. Uh, in best ball, he's still okay because, you know, he runs the 4.52. He's the, the only tight end in the league that breaks off 70 yard touchdowns at any point, right? So uh, it, it's possible there. But in redraft, I'm staying away. I'm out. I have Waller straight up ahead of both. Well, once you rank Waller ahead of Kittle and Goddard, that means you're not getting Kittle or Goddard, and I'm com- I'm content with that. I think, yeah, for me, it's like if I take Kittle, I feel obliged to build him into three tight end builds, which I don't want to be doing with a tight end drafted that high, um, just because I do feel like his floor has been proven to be pretty pretty middling at the moment. So I'm definitely struggling with him, but I'm open to any and all arguments that people want to make in my mentions about it. Absolutely, dude. Everyone out there, hit him up at NFL <laughs> underscore T Strack and hit him with all your Kittle engagement. <laughs> Love it. I think yeah. we can get out of this. We can get out of this hole, though. I think maybe. Yeah. The hard part. With, the hard part with the Kittle stuff is that, like, we all it's it's so hard when you when you all admit that he's a good player, and you have to make the argument for circumstance because the average Twitter fantasy enthusiast, it has a hard time wrapping their head around. We think this guy's good, but we don't think he's good. That's a difficult conversation to have. And one that gets you in a lot of trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there or the new threads, I saw you on there, Coop. Uh, Yeah, dude. I'm a little confused about threads. People are already being mean to me on there. Dude, I was on there for <laughs> I was only on there for 15 minutes for somebody says I'm mean. <laughs> like I don't even know. Like I was enough from player profiler immediately is like I'm like, dude, you guys leave me alone for one second. Dude, is Chig gonna make it back to us? Chig dude. went before we even drafted. Oh, he went way up there? Oh, he yeah. went before Angry. He wasn't even on the board. So you oh. can feel better about the dubs pick. He wasn't there. Much better. Much better. Yeah. Ooh, there's your your guy Dulcich is there though, Britt. You know I love my dosage. Yeah, that's Dang. another one. Well, let's ask uh, Tom. Uh, um, once, once again, you got Jerry Judy. 
uh, probably leading the team in targets. And then Sutton, Patrick, um, Dulcich, Mims. Completely down with Dulcich. I feel like, you know, there's a little bit of pushback from people being like, okay, well, you know, why did Sean Payton see to bring in Adam Troutman and stuff? But if you're worried about Adam Troutman, I just don't know what to tell you, really. Like, it's uh, Greg Dulcich, the way he played, you know, he was getting vertical and winning the ball, which, like I mentioned with Darren Waller, that's the kind of tight end I want. I want somebody with a ceiling, and he definitely has it. Yeah, a- Adam Trotman's going to do battle with Chris Mannerts to see who runs the fewest routes. <laughs> I have a thought here about uh, taking the big bet on that Coop made uh, with the NFL Rookie of the Year bet. Let's do it. Do I well, believe it's going to happen? Coming back? Coming okay. back with the Cincy stuff? Good. Do I yeah, believe it's going to happen? No, but do I believe $100 to win $5,000 that it could happen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. Throwing money away I on yours. I forgot who made that bet until he mentioned last night. Made it live during our live show draft. I was like, Mr. Ice Chiefs? Click. It went down. I think it's at like 2005, plus 2,500. But on the moment he got drafted, it was plus 5,000. That's money thrown away, but that's right. I don't know. He's getting a ton of steam. He's getting a ton of steam. Because think about it. Kadarius Toney hasn't played a full season in his first two years. Sky Moore, although, yes, he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, didn't really do a whole lot. MVS has just been a guy the entire time. And then you brought in Richie James. Say he's terrible. Say he's say MVS is terrible. (laughs) I'm trying to be nice here, okay? No, this this is not the time. Yeah, what if, I mean, what if there's a world where all those guys are bad? There's it's a real possibility. It's a real possibility, and then Rashi Rice is the only good player. Justin Watson like, and Rashi Rice. That would make me sad because the Patriots jumped in on Juju, and he's he's part of that. Could just actually be bad discussion. I think, but ultimately, it just doesn't really seem to matter, does it? Because like last year, the term which uh, my co-host used on Fantasy Sanctuary, Rich, he mentioned at one point that they basically moneyballed their way through things when it came to wide receiver. And it's like, you know, what do all these wide receivers do? They just, they get on base. That's right. Yeah, it's true. It's hard to argue with them when they win the Super Bowl, which is the end goal. It's really, it's really annoying. Yeah. I've heard that that is good. Yeah. (laughs) But but you look at his ADOT. I mean, his ADOT was down so much because he just MacGyvered his way through the wide receiver position. and was just kind of like bloop, bloop, Loop, like nobody had to actually run deep routes, and I think that Rice could be the guy to do that, and then put his ADOT back back up and completely expand this offense even more than it was last year. Yeah, look, someone has to be Byron Pringle. I mean, in that offense, basically, like w- with some of the plays they run, some of the RPOs, and especially that that stupid shuffle pass, it's like anyone can score that touchdown. If you just pick, if they just pick, is your if it's your turn to score the shuffle pass touchdown, then you get it. Like it's. That's the it's easiest just, play in the world. So most difficult. Noah Gray in the last round, right? I'm down. Noah Gray got a target in every single game except one. Week. Look at week seven. <laughs> week seventeen. Let the record show seven. he got at least one target in every single game except one. And he, I mean, he got more targets than a bunch of guys that, like, you know, when you actually do the math and start looking at it, like, he got a lot more targets than guys that were drafting. So let's not all pile on Noah Gray, okay? He's a good DFS guys- dart throw every once in a while. Look, I want you guys to just picture this. It's week 17. Bengals and Chiefs. Joe Burrow to Chase to Higgins. Two touchdowns each. Burrow's got five. Noah Gray catches three shovel passes from Patrick Mahomes. Shane Zilstra, 2.0. 
We bring it on. Three million dollars between the four of us. Did we I just would... go into the multiverse? If no gray, <laughs> if no gray ends up being the league winning tight end, but Joe Burrow score doesn't play because Kirk Cousins threw seven touchdowns against the Green Bay Packers <laughs> because Jair Alexander is out. All to KJ Osborne, who we're going to take seven rounds from now. <laughs> no, he actually went before or Osborne, right after right. Ty Chandler. Who the heck is taking? Who the heck is? Diving on that grenade on our behalf. Who, what, like, what are you doing taking KJ Osborne? Bonkers. Right? Apparently, they're not high on Addison. Yeah, I guess so, dude. No, they're just high. Maybe Addison just stinks. It's a wow. Distinct Hold possibility. On. It's a distinct wow. possibility. It D- is. I know Dustin in the chat has a bone to pick with Addison. I, I've been I've been uh, wondering what exactly is behind that, but I would love to hear. My man wanted Bolitnikov. What bone is there to pick? They're just giving him out, though. Jalen Hyatt has one. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> They're all a slander. There. Not a big deal, dude. Good Lord. All right. Eric Ebron won the Mackey Award. All right. Uh, Which running backs are still out there? Uh, your boy, Jerome Ford. You know who I actually love here is Algier. Yeah, I mean, play a little Bijan. Uh, uh, you know, bust not bust season. I don't think he's gonna bust, but it's hurt. But I still, I don't think mind it. A, you can't base a, your entire offense around that pick, and then if he Bijan gets hurt, like he has to be the guy, right? Like, they were and, using multiple running back. Like Caleb Huntley was like right. there for a, for a couple seconds. That's a third oh, running. He back. got sniped. He Did got he? sniped. Are they watching? I think. Are you watching us? Who's Probably. what's that guy's name? What's that guy's name? I don't know, man. What uh, a bummer! All right, who we got on receivers? Jimmy. Tom, I'm watching Tom what are you thinking? Uh, I'd go Jerome, Jerome Ford if you wanted to go running back. Like, I, quiet, I think we only have three. I think we better. I, I quietly like Devin Singletary. I, I do like Devin Singletary, but he's a seven. But he's a seven. Another week seven. Oh, yeah. yeah, we might as well lean That's into fine. it at this point. Oh, that's a shot to me with Tyquan Thornton. My DFS our, guy I was plugging in every week at 3,000. What, what's, what's going on at tight end? Are we just doing one? And we're just gonna we lose? got two. We got Dulcich. Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay, yeah, we're done at tight end. We're done. Maybe we can take Jaden Reed if you want to really play on that correlation, but there's nobody else screaming like Isaiah Hodgins maybe for Daniel Jones. Well, I'm not drafting Marquez Valdez-Scatling. No. That's what I'm sure. <laughs> I hate Isaiah Hodgins. <laughs> yeah. well, that's was, I mean, with Green Bay, it, odds are it's going to be Watson leading that team in targets, especially the deep ones. But you know what? They have a lot of guys that can play in the middle. With They drafted two tight ends. They have Romeo Dobbs. We obviously made enough of a bet on the second guy. Maybe one of those guys gets 100 targets. It, it, the leaders in the clubhouse are Dobbs and Reed. You know, the worst case scenario is the two eat each other's targets and kind of cannibalize each other. But... I mean, it, Dobbs was pretty efficient. You know, he was getting on the field too. And Jaden Reed's kind of a wild card, but uh, was getting some buzz. I do like at least getting those two options in an ambiguous offense. Just going back to your Tyler Algier stuff, like I've been taking Tyler Algier and partly because if there's anything Arthur Smith can do to annoy us in the fantasy football realm, then he's going to do it. Like and the obvious thing seems this year, like, just ruining Bijan Robinson's fantasy value by just playing Tyler Algier, who admittedly was a very good rookie last year. Yeah. But oh, yeah. on the Green Green Bay wide receivers, yeah, I 
I can't bring myself to draft much Christian Watson at cost because so much of his production came on those kind of high value touches last year or freaky plays. And I think the difference between where he's going and where Reed and where um, Romeo Dubs is going, it just feels like it's too great a difference. So I'd rather take the cheap guys and just lean into that ambiguity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, so speaking of that, we have uh, a one of our very favorites in the chat, Chris Sellers, uh, yelling for brand uh, for Terrace Marshall. Uh, very ambiguous uh, situation over there with the Cats, with Adam Thielen being the first guy off the board at pick like one twenty. Like he goes outside the top one hundred. They all do. Uh, if you're gonna pick one of those guys, ADP factored in. Uh, who do you like from the Panthers? Out of Chark, you know, you got Chark, Marshall. Uh, Thielen and also Jonathan Mingo. I've been taking plenty of Chark because, you know, that feels like a reasonable bet of, you know, there's some upside there. We kind of know what he is and the cost feels fine. You know, Mingo, I have been mixing in occasionally because, again, he can open up that stack where it's like, right, I don't have as many stacks I'd like to buy. At this point in the draft, I'll take Mingo here, maybe Chark later, Hayden Hurst if I absolutely have to, and just tap on that to a Panthers stack. But Adam Feeling, yeah, like, you know, you looked at so many of his efficiency metrics last year and they just seemed to go off the cliff edge, and I find it really difficult to click his name. Um, but, yeah, Chark, I'm definitely happy taking him. Mingo, I don't mind him. I think the, the Panthers play, is it the Jaguars in Week 17, which feels like a game which could be plenty of fun. So I, I have been adding those kind of little correlations when they fall to me. One more question for you. Will you say Jaguars again? <laughs> Jaguars? Yeah, that's that. Uh, we'll some some, some words, that's some words really shine with your accent, and that's one right there. Dude. It's <laughs> like yeah, it makes <laughs> it really makes it sound like a luxury vehicle when you. Say I mean, that's like that. London's team, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, DJ Chark. I mean, like, I'll tell you this: uh, you're not going to find a guy who's six three running like ninety seventh percentile speed that has a one thousand yard season on his resume uh, on his resume any deeper in this draft than DJ Chark. Like and, it, it, he's the paper tiger, right? And, you know, let's get into narrative street a little. How many players have revenge games in week 17? Cause you know, when mm. come around week 17, all those matchups are going to be DJ Chark against the Jags. It's a revenge game. Do you oh. think he's going to be healthy during week 17 though? <laughs> no. Hey, well, uh, hey, no. No <laughs> that's why I go back to what I said. The LaVisca Chenault revenge game. <laughs> a double revenge game. Like a literal battle. Wow. Here, like... <laughs> this is better than a Taylor Swift song. Right? <laughs> Taylor Swift's new album, Double Revenge Game. Eight it actually, now. Speak Now drops tonight at midnight. Speak oh. She has Taylor's another one version. already? Yep, Speak Now Taylor's version. So uh, I I do not apologize for the person that I'm going to be tomorrow. Just that, so Is that an album she already did and she's just stealing it back from that guy that uh, Scott, what's his name? Fuzzy something. No, 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 no. Yeah, Scooter Braun and Scott Scooter Bushman. Braun. Yeah, yeah. But I think my team in one of our leagues is still uh, Scooter's version. Yeah, Scooter's version. The dynasty. <laughs> I only yeah. listen to these Scooter versions on on Spotify. I want to support my boy in his entrepreneur entrepreneurial endeavors. All right. Well, instead of Scooter's version, it's Coop, Britt, and Tom and Kevin's version uh, of our six of our sixteenth ah. round pick. Uh, I like a lot of these guys. I like the, I almost like these guys better than the group we were looking at four rounds ago. That's the thing. Running back is Same. the best pick you can make in a draft from like round nine on, honestly. Pierre Strong? Hmm? Really fast. Tom, what do you think? 
I mean, I draft quite a lot of Gus Edwards because he's got a good role. And, you know, I think the difference between him, the difference between where him and J.K. Dobbins go probably shouldn't be so, lot, so late. But I like Jeff Wilson. I like, you know, I can be talked into Leonard Fournette. Pierre Strong also feels fine. So any, either Gus or Jeff Wilson for me. Guys, Brit, make the call. Tie. Let's go Gus, Bus. Yeah. I'm too, I'm too worried about Cook going to Miami there's, for Wilson. There's uh, essentially six players in the league that have 400-plus carries and still have a career yards per carry over five. And it's like Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, up, by the way. and Gus Edwards. And <laughs> Miles Sanders, like, it's crazy how efficient he is. Despite... Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, let's do that. Hyatt? Nice. We all, yeah. we all in agreement? Take the giant? All right. Fred Bolitnikoff. Freddie Bolitnikoff says yes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, so we're, yeah, we're done a wide anyways. receiver. Sorry to interrupt. Don't you hit me with the anyways. All right, that's my thing. You don't say, <laughs> you don't anyways me, Britt. <laughs> anyways. No, I was so going to say sorry to interrupt. I was uh, going to say the same thing that Kevin said. I was right. like, anyways, we just had to we had to get that done. Well, let's get let's get this done because we have not uh, been very faithful to the audio listeners here uh, at quarterback Joe Burrow and Kirk Cousins. The auto drafted Kirk Cousins. Uh, insert losing horn here. Running back Tony Pollard, Zach Charbonnet, Samaje Pirine, Jerome Ford, and Gus Edwards. Wide receiver Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett, Romeo Dobbs, Rasheed Rice, Jade Reed, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, tight end Darren Waller, Greg. Dulcich, how are you feeling, gang? It's a good team. You know, the Kirk Cousin things leaves a little bit of taste in the mouth, but like, you know, it's a good team. I like the running back room is a nice room where it feels like there's going to be enough there um, to compliment Tony Pollard. I like, like, you know, like I said, I like building Chavonet around with P. Ryan, someone with that early season upside. And then the wide receivers, I mean, really, it just comes down to those first three of Chase Higgins and Hopkins. You know, as long as those three come out firing more often than not, then I think everything will be all right. And then Tyler Lockett will pop up with plenty of usable weeks like normal. Go Bengals. Yep. (laughs) All of our hopes and dreams are pinned on the week 17 Bengals. The more you think about it, this is a very much go Bengals team. And if we had gotten Gino instead of Kirk Cousins, then we just two team. Then it would be cruising. Yeah. Then it'd be cruising. Yeah, right. and we'll uh, and we've got probably room for either I would say a running back or a t- even a third tight end. I do like taking the third tight end. I don't know how you feel about that, Tom, but I feel like the tight end has the least chance for a dead roster spot. Which if we're doing uh, if we're trying to win three million dollars, we have to really uh, maximize each roster spot, even the eighteenth round where we feel like it's just like a grab bag of guys, but. What do you think about like the three tight end builds and then trying to just eliminate dead roster spots? Yeah, I've been trying to build more three tight end builds this season because it feels like, you know, the elite tight ends are the ones who can give you those game winning weeks in the playoffs. But sometimes it feels like you just need a little bit more juice to actually get there. I think Pat Corrine's done some good work on talking about how advance rates with three tight ends are healthier. But then when you get to the playoffs, you are going to need those elite weeks. So I'm fine with it. I think there's some reasonable names in the last kind of rounds of drafts at tight end. I mean, Noah Fan is somebody who I've drafted a reasonable amount of. Hunter Henry, I don't mind drafting now and again. I think you talk yourself into some of the rookie tight ends who are around this point at some point. 
So, yeah, I don't mind it. I think there's some okay plays, and of course, Noah Gray down there. Yeah, man, yeah, man. <laughs> I, I wonder. So, like in recent years, we've been seeing, and it's so difficult to predict, but in recent years, we've been seeing more in season trades. When I was a kid, like nobody traded mid season. That's crazy. Like, you, you learn a playbook back in my day, back in my day, dude. You just, if you're sucked, you just suck. Couldn't trade for good players. But now we see Zach Ertz getting moved midseason. I watched your quarterback get traded and start that week last year. So it's a real possibility that some of these teams that stink are just trading guys off. I wonder if maybe the Buccaneers could end up being one of those teams. And if you move Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, not a lot stopping Mr. Kate Otten from doing a little something, something. He already earned the starting job outright last year, was playing massive snap shares. The real concern is that obviously they have the two big dogs at wide receiver. But something happens there. Kate Otten on the radar. Kate Otten, yeah, anybody. The, anyway. the, the, hey, look, I you don't have to pull my arm on Kate Otten. He's like a guy I do draft in the 18th round. I mean, that room is cleared out. You know, the tight end when Cam has gone, it's what, Coquifed, who is basically a blocker, a six He's offensive lineman. Useless. So, yeah, I'm yeah. down with Kato. I know, yeah, Jelani Woods feels like he's the upside play. You know, we crowd favorite, Britt Flynn favorite, Johnny Woods. <laughs> we do like Johnny. Yeah, for that. You know, well, a couple of big seeing... spike weeks, but then not an awful lot. And it, obviously, it's a mess that tight end room in Indy. But, you know, if we're looking for spike weeks, yeah, Jelani Woods or Kato on stand out for me. Let's do Jelani. Yeah, the, um, the other one that's interesting is Hunter Henry who just went, uh, if you really think about what this team did in 2011, the last time that uh, Bill O'Brien was calling the plays, they leaned heavily on the tight ends, both of them. Rob Gronkowski finished as tight end one in fantasy. Aaron Hernandez finished as tight end three. And then Wes Walker got a bunch of targets. That would be Juju's role. So they basically just built the worst version of the team they had then with uh, Mac is Tom Brady, uh, Gronk, <laughs> is our uh, Hunter Henry's Gronk, Mike Gusecki's Aaron Hernandez, and then Juju's Wes Welker. So they're, you know, it seems pretty clear what they're trying to do. It's going to be worse, but there's something to be said for that Rob Gronkowski role. Mm, is there not? The Patriots not, propaganda. Did I, not say did I not say something just now? The propaganda is that's going on here is... Um... Yeah. I think we all just got burned by John O. Smith and Hunter Henry over the last couple of months. Uh, yeah. Last couple of seasons. Yeah. yeah. Hunter, Hunter Henry, by the way. Expired. 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 I'll tell you right now, he's great first man to man. He's got a lot of contested catches. <laughs> and when he scores a touchdown, I'm going to be tweeting Hunter in the hen house like always. Okay. So, and he definitely scored that touchdown against the Vikings on Thanksgiving. That should have counted. That's it. No more Patriots propaganda, but that should have counted. Okay. I guess yep. to be fair, I would probably be the one typing Hunter Henry in the hen house yes. before you. I so. yeah, probably. But just I want that on the permanent record. That was a touchdown. Uh, fine, fine. Whatever, you, whatever we got to do to get this uh, meat wagon going. But uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining us, my man. Tell us where we can find all your stuff because I know uh, your YouTube channel is blowing up, and I I love it. Cheers, man. Yeah, you can check out Fantasy Sanctuary on YouTube. We're busy with like lots of best ball content. Rich, my co-host, takes care of all the dynasty side of stuff. We're just starting to turn our attention to redraft as well. You can also check out my work writing for Fantasy Pros. Lots of content coming out for them over the next few weeks. Um, so thanks for having me. Really enjoy all the work that you guys do, and it was a real pleasure joining you, this. Tom, you're the man. Thank and you, Tom. Can't wait to split this money with you. 
big yeah. what, money. What, what are you buying? What if you if you get this? What are we? What are we? What are you buying? I'm buying a ticket straight to New York so I can draft even more teams. Yes, right, dude. That's right. Nah, you, you got to get yourself a Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> Not an Aston Martin. <laughs> I mean, Aston Martin's actually quite a bit cooler, in my opinion. But. It is. It's James, that's a James Bond car, right? Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll get an Aston Martin's. Good deal. All right. Are we? Uh... I think it's time to get a, get on out of here. Next week, we're going to have uh, Marcus Grant on with us to talk some ball. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun NFL fantasy, uh, fantasy life podcast. So I'm excited to chat it up uh, with my good friend Marcus, uh, getting to know him a little bit better and talk some ball heading into 2023. Uh, for Coop, for Tom, for Britt Flynn, we are out. Toodles. My first bust is going to be Devontae Adams. There's two reasons why I'm going to be avoiding him. One, his age, and one, his QB situation. First off, his age, he's going to be turning 31 this year. There's only two wide receivers in all of football that are 31 or older and having production like uh, top tier production in the top 50 wide receiver rankings, and that's DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. Those are the only two wide receivers that are older than him ranked in the top 50, and both of those have been struggling with injuries. So the injury bug might be coming towards Devontae Adams just with that age. So that's definitely a concern for me. And then his second situation is with the QB with Derek Carr being gone and Jimmy Garoppolo taking over. Garoppolo doesn't target downfield as much. He's more of those quick short passes, um, get, release the ball quickly. So that's definitely a concern for Adams, especially with he relies so much what he did in Green Bay with his touchdowns. And he's currently being drafted at 17 for his ADP. So that's bit too high of a price for me to pay for him. Yeah, definitely a high price if you want to get Adams. I can totally understand uh, why you'd be fading him. I actually have a former teammate of Adams as my first bust, and that is New York Giants tight end Darren Waller. He was dealt to the Giants this offseason, takes over as their starting tight end. My issue with Waller is he just can't stay healthy. He's played just 20 games the last two seasons because of various injuries. Now he moves to a new offense, an offense that's not going to throw quite as much as Las Vegas did. I think he could see less targets. Waller might still have a decent season, but I'm expecting his numbers to be up and down, uh, especially compared to past years. And I just have a hard time expecting consistency from him in a move to a new, new offense and with his injury issues of the past. I'm just letting somebody else deal with him. I don't think he's worth the risk.